Blog Talk Radio. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Alright. Me, Chris of the Sea, my voice is my other Twitter feed. Full show, front to back. I'm just going to sign off at the end. So real quick, I just want to let you know, in two weeks... I'll be talking uh, for the next two weeks. I'll be talking to uh, Heidi Cox of the Dweeb Darlings. They made their own uh, YouTube series, Stalking LeVar, as in LeVar Burton. It's hilarious. You got to check it out and uh, check out that interview over the next couple weeks. And then in three weeks, I'll be talking to Kathy Schenkelberg. The uh, ex-Scientologist has her own one-woman show called Squeeze My Cans. Uh, Check that out if you get a chance. Check out her story. Uh, she'll be talking about it right here on Come Get Some in three weeks. But right now, let's get into part two of my conversation with Bo Korowski about accountability and the imbalance of race as well as 10 questions. Let's get to it. But I have to face the fact that a lot of the opportunities that I have might not have been because I'm smart or because I'm, you know, anything else other than white. That's a tough pill to swallow, man. It means that our whole system isn't merit, you know, based on a meritocratic system. And let's be clear about that, though. I, I, I think there's a ton of merit in what you said, but I don't want to be irresponsible about it. Um, it is possible for any black man or woman to have the same success. It's just a lot harder path. It's a lot more difficult path, but it is attainable. But you're right. You're, the scale is tilted. Uh, the the yeah right so for example I got a full ride scholarship to college for engineering um, and, and yes I had to do the work I had to get the grades I had to be that kind of guy but my dad was a lieutenant lieutenant colonel in the Air Force retired out of the Pentagon kind of makes it a little bit easier for me I've worked with some of these inner city teen kids are sitting 45 kids to a, a class there's not enough desks for them they have to share books and their books are outdated. Like, so how in the world can they get ahead in that kind of system? You go there, I swear to God, man, the alarms are going off because, and the police are coming in because mm-hmm. there's a drug raid going on in the school during school hours. I was like, holy crap. Wow. It was crazy. So can you learn in that environment? They, cur- they grade on a curve. So because there are so many kids in, in that area, when they move through the system, they can pass a grade with a 55%, 56% because they grade on the curve. So you can get to high school and not be able to read. Wow. A lot of the teams that I worked with were in juniors in high school, seniors in high school, sophomores in high school that read at a first or second grade level. And they passed through the system because the, 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 the teachers were not able to hold them back. Yeah, that's that's problematic. How do you succeed? Yeah, how do you succeed in that type of environment? It's it's impossible. Well, it's not impossible. Like you said, it is possible. And there are plenty of people that have defied odds to make it happen. I mean, one of the guys that I mentored was a, a kid. Um, his name is D'Artagnan Scorza. He was a kid at the time. Now he has his doctorate from um, UCLA. was a UC Regent for all the University of California schools. 
uh, student region for that. And he's gone on to create his own nonprofit that works on the, in the inner city with less fortunate youth um, to address these issues. So it's not impossible. It's highly improbable because they're starting in a mile race. You can kind of compare it so that they're, they're starting, you know, three laps behind other people that have only one lap to go. But, right. you know, it is possible. It is possible. And there needs to be accountability and responsibility for that, too, just because you start from a disadvantage. Because there's plenty of white people and plenty of Latino people and plenty of, um, you know, Asian people that also start from a deficit, too. And they have, they've been molested, or they have, you know, a dad that's run out on them, or they have, right. or they have that. So, you know, everyone suffers setbacks and drawbacks and things like that. That's not con- uncommon a- across the race spectrum. But it's much more difficult, I think, for black people because of the system and because of the educational system and because of the institutional setup to get ahead. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the small business associations, 1.7% of business loans go to black people. 1.7%. That's how many are qualified to get it. Right, and some might argue... That trying to start their business... Go ahead. So some might argue that uh, there's plenty of systems set up for the black youth coming through the education. There's plenty, plenty of grants and things, and that's just the thing that you have to say, and you and you have to listen to yourself when you say it. There's things set up for them, but everything else just exists for everybody else, and that's something to really take note of. That I was thinking of when you were saying that. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, there are I. I like, I don't know how many programs are, are designed specifically for, for black people. Um, I just know that as a whole, and, you know, again, I don't know if they've been taught financial independency. I don't know if they've been taught how to manage their money properly, how to develop a budget. Those are typically things that aren't taught in school. Those are taught by, you know, family. Um, so yeah. I don't know what their family situation is and, and how that works. Um so that, that might have a huge impact on that, too. Um, again, that's an institutional issue um, in our society uh, because I don't think that there are the probability of a black male having a father figure is just as much that he will have one as he won't have one. There's no guarantee for them. In the right. white community, it's a little bit different. But in the black community, it's if you don't have that type of mentorship, and best believe, my two sons, I am on them like stink on food when it comes to <laughs> making sure that they're dedicated to excellence, making sure that they know how to run a business. I'm teaching my son how to do public speaking. I'm teaching my son all these things. Like I have a very regimented schedule that I'm teaching him so that by the time he is 18, there won't be competition for him. Right. He'll, he'll have that leg up. He'll know how to handle himself. Yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't necessarily happen in other communities uh, the way that it does, I I would think, in in ours. So, I mean, that's another kind of issue that I've I've seen uh, that's come up. 
So do you have suggestions? Do you have things that, that you think we can do, that we can do as, as, as members of the white community to help bring attention to or help change uh, perceptions or maybe help the um, change laws or change how the law works against certain uh, certain races and certain skin tones and, and such? Um, yes and no. I mean, the first thing is we have to realize that there is a difference, that there is an issue, and that we are we are the ones that can do something about it. Um, if a black person complains like we talk about, you know, they're seen as an angry black person. If a white person says something about it, it might be worth considering a little bit more. Um, so it, it's a lot more palatable to come from somebody that you know and trust and someone that you don't know and trust, and you don't know where their background is. So part of it is talking to other people. I mean, one of the things that I'm doing, I just got sick of talking on Facebook about it. So I'm working with um, the Young uh, Social Justice Learning Institute and with the a group called DMOLE. I mentor boys in a group called DMOLE, which is uh, the Masonic Youth Order for, for young men. Um, and with the Museum of Tolerance to put together kind of a summit and a panel um, that can be modeled so that we talk about these types of things and what can happen and what types of injustices humans, not blacks, not whites, not Africans, not Asians, not anybody else, everybody, what we're capable of doing when we fail to see each other as humans. Yeah. Um, So that's one of the things that I'm working on personally uh, to be a part of. Uh, I am also working on putting together a summit for, um, you know, youth groups uh, across Southern California as well um, for these types of things. And I'm having honest conversations just on a personal level, if that's not your bend. I mean, my mom does work over in Uganda. That is her. Wow. She loves building water, uh, clean water supplies, teaching them how to sew, teaching them how to read. That's her calling. Not my calling. It's her calling. So my calling is much more revolving around teens because I feel that they're the future of our country. Absolutely. They're the ones that are going to carry on our legacy. That's my calling, though. Other people might have a calling for education. Other people might have a calling for, um, you know, money and finances. But whatever it is, find what you're passionate about and draw people into it. Do your part. Teach somebody else how to do what you do that's not the same color. Have a conversation about it. If you're a banker, have a conversation with a business owner, a black business owner, about financing. How does he do it? Help him if that's something that you can do. Or find ways and connect him to people that he may not otherwise have had. If you're, um, you know, a teacher, partner up white students with black students. Uh, I don't know. I think there's a lot of different things that, that we can do as, is just humans. Invite them into your house. Have dinner with them. Absolutely. Spread with people. Um, and, and the more people that you involve, the better off they will be. And that includes police officers, too. I mean, I, one of the things that I think would be really, really good is I want to get a bunch of the people that I know that are, you know, African-American and black and, and Indian and, and Muslim, and let's have a, a party and invite the, the police. And let's hear their situation, because I think they're misunderstood. I mean, if you had to, like, pull a gun and you were responsible for ending somebody's life, that's a huge deal. Uh, yeah. I think we should understand what they go through. 
I think it's twofold. There, There is the whole thing. I mentioned in my last episode that I have a friend that tells me that no matter where he is, what neighborhood, what color, when he approaches an unknown situation, his hand's on his gun at all times, which I don't know if that's a training thing or, or anything. I don't suspect he's going to be one of these people that shoots somebody unarmed, but that's that fear, that concern, and that's that's the track record. I know when I worked as a civilian for the Broward Sheriff's Office, there were funerals constantly for police officers. So it, yeah. they have real danger, and they face real danger. However, um, there's also a brotherhood in the police force where they will protect each other when maybe there's something wrongdoing, uh, uh, some wrongdoing. And I think that's part of what we've seen with some of the officers that have walked free. Even the officer who was driving the van, who's a black man, that was driving the van Freddie Gray was in, you know, that he walked yeah. with no no charges whatsoever, not seatbelt, and the guy in. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that, but I think there needs to be some accountability amongst the police force. And instead of standing up side by side with your brother police in uniform who did definite wrongdoing and cost someone a life and cost a family, their husband or father, or or wife or daughter, to 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 do that, uh, to not separate yourself from them and have them actually convicted, <laughs> you know, actually have them, uh, you know do the time for the crime they actually committed is, is something that, that needs to be looked at. Yeah. I had a hard time expressing yeah. that. I was all over the place. Sorry about that. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's that's legit. And I, I feel I feel that that's true too. I mean some of them the the justice department is getting involved with, so hopefully that will it's hard when a police system, you know, polices itself. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's that's definitely an issue. Um, the the other part of that is that, you know, I, I feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like there's definitely a, a misunderstanding as far as, like for me, when I, I got arrested, here's a funny story. So I was driving back from church. I, I told you I did inner city team ministry. Yep. So one of the guys that I was living with at the time got arrested. I, I went on vacation and he drove my car. He, he asked if he could. I said, sure. Anyways, he didn't tell me he was driving on suspended license. So I'm driving back from church one day, and cop pulls up behind me and, um, you know, asked me for my license and registration. And while I was doing that, he's like, you know what, I, I need you to step out of the car. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> and so he's like, <laughs> I have never been arrested in my life, you know. And so he's like, I need you to put your hands behind your back. And so I was like, what is this dealing with? He's like, look, I'm just doing this for to, to control the situation. He's like, you're not under arrest. We're just putting you in the back of the cop car for the time being until we get some things worked out. And so, you know, I had given him my, my license and registration. And he comes back and he says, hey, do you know this guy? Um, I'll say his name is Bill. Do you know Bill? And I was like, yeah, he was my roommate. And he asked me, do you know where he is? And I said, absolutely not. So the reason that I pulled you over is because you have a warrant attached to this car because of this guy. <laughs> um, but, you know, and he let me go, and, and it was fine. The, the interaction, he never pulled a gun. His hand was never on the right. on his, you know, pistol on the side. It was a peaceful and calm thing. He walked up to the car slow. None of that other stuff happened. You know what I mean? And I look at that situation where that guy was on the street, you know, with his 
hands on his back, or I'm sorry, his hands up in the air, he was sitting on his back, his legs were spread, he's talking to the police. One might argue... Yeah, when's the last time you've ever seen a white person in that position? Well, one might argue you resisted more than that guy. Yeah. (laughs) So... Just by asking, what is this about? (laughs) Uh, Well... So those things, I just, I never have to worry about that. In fact, my wife and I joke because sometimes I ride without my seatbelt, and she's like, you should put on your seatbelt. And she's like, the cops will pull you over. And I tell her, no, they won't. I was like, even when I get pulled over, I get a warning. I get told, like, hey, you know. Oh, Bo, you should wear your seatbelt anyway, buddy. (laughs) Right, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, like, if and when I get pulled over, I've been pulled over multiple times. I get a warning, or I get told that, you know, like, be safe. Things along those lines. All right. Not dragged out of the car. I, I, I think there is a little bit of this, and I don't want this to come off as distracting from the real issue, and I think people get mad when, when someone like me makes this argument because it is a uh, because it is sensitive, and, and they're, regardless of how you act sometimes, like the guy on the ground with his hands up, you're going to get treated wrong. I think there's a there is a an attitude that might come from some people who get pulled over because they feel like no matter what they got pulled over because they're black. Mm-hmm. Um, def, definitely happen definitely is happening, but but I know that the police like you said the police want to keep control of the situation. So like if you're talking trash to the police officer and you're being combative. He needs to gain control, and he might already be a bit of a jerk. He's going to become a bigger jerk uh, because he wants to he wants to maintain dominance. This is something to think about, but it's not it's it's really not the issue. So please don't think I'm trying to make that out to be the whole thing. Um, so so I don't think that that's far off from. I think it's a great point. I think that's a great point. One of the guys that another really famous voice actor. Um, E.K. Amadi, he's the voice of Spartan Locke in um, Halo, he's the voice of um, Time Warner Sports, so he he does stuff for UFC and Dodgers and uh, Galaxy, all those different types of things. Um, But he told me, he showed me the the process that he goes through when the cops pull him over. He turns the car off, he takes his keys, puts them on his pinky, and places both hands on the side of the car. On, on the window, he rolls down his window and places his hands out the window so they can see exactly, one, that he's not going anywhere, they can see his hands, and they know that he's fully compliant. Yeah, I almost think we should all do that, but, I mean, that, that he has to just because is, is, is wrong. Yeah, is it, I mean, and he gets pulled over consistently. So uh. I, I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, I think part of it is, again... There is a very small percentage of cops that are driving the narrative for the whole. Right. I think that, you know, the cops that have problems that are consistently getting um, complaints, if you get one complaint, two complaints, three complaints, five complaints, it is what it is. That's going to happen when you have people that are hostile and you're dealing with um, problems and situations where there's more than one party. But if you have 25 complaints in a year, or you have 35 complaints or 45 complaints, you know maybe this isn't the right job for you. Right. Something else. That needs to be accounted for. Yes. 
to go back to your point of holding each other accountable in in the police division, that's something that probably needs to be addressed. If somebody was 20% of your students or you had 25 complaints as a, as a teacher, you know what? Maybe it's not the kids. Maybe it's the teacher. Right. Maybe that's the problem. I so, agree. I mean, if I let, in the legal industry, if I let 25 productions go out that, that had privileged docs in it, it, it really only takes one to get fired. But 25, you would never work in the industry again. Right. No, that's just true. It's true. I, I, it, it, it's tricky because do, do you, have you ever known anyone to not complain about a cop? <laughs> you know, to not feel like they have to complain? You know, no, nobody feels like they deserve to be pulled over or deserve to be ticketed, even if they do deserve sometimes. So it, it's tricky. But um, I mean, I understand that they they're trying to do their job. I've heard people say that oh, they got to make money for the police department, or you know, it's the end of the month and they got to meet a quota. I'm not sure about that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, people are going to say all sorts of things that aren't true. Well, I don't know how you guys get pulled over in California. Isn't it bumper to bumper traffic? <laughs> what are you getting pulled over <laughs> for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. It's funny that you mentioned that. So, yeah, seatbelts. Seatbelts, broken taillights, lights not on. It's weird in California, especially in L.A., I've noticed that very, very rarely is there ever a time where you don't see your shadow. There's so many lights. Wow. Um, and the moon is bright and the street lights are bright. You can walk anywhere at any time and you will see your shadow. So a lot of people drive without their lights on for, for quite a while because they can't tell the difference. Now, now, just to put it all in perspective, we talked a lot about this now, and I talked to you privately um, about the opening of the SB Awards a couple of weeks ago with LeBron James. What he said, did you ever check that out? I did not. All right, you, so uh, yeah, I have the audio if you want to hear it. Yeah, that was. So I think LeBron James put it best. I mean, it started out with uh, um, Chris Paul, and continuing the speech was. Carmella Anthony or the other way around, and then Dwayne Wade and LeBron James capped it off with these words that I think that even though this is a challenge you put out to professional athletes, I think we should all uh, take this challenge. Here, here it is. We all feel helpless and frustrated about a bomb. We do. That's not acceptable. It's time to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are we doing to create change? It's not about being a role model. It's not about our responsibility to the position of activism. I know tonight we're honoring Muhammad Ali, the GOAT. To do his legacy any justice, let's use this moment as a call to action for all professional athletes to educate ourselves, explore these issues, speak up, use our influence, and renounce all violence. And most importantly, go back to our community, invest our time, our resources, help rebuild them, help strengthen them, help change them. We all have to do better. Thank you. So I don't know how well you heard that. Oops, sorry. I don't know how well you heard that. It was, it was a little faint, but I, I, I think I heard it, you know, for the most part. And, and, yeah, it just confirms that for me that there's a whole lot of people that are smarter than me, that know the subject better than me that experience it on a daily basis more than me. And I just, I'm grateful 
for, for you and for LeBron and for the people that stand up to be part of the solution. So I think that is a, a great note to, to leave it. Yeah, the bottom line is it starts with each and every one of us. And then we we, we have to we all have different levels of resources and, and uh, ability um, to to do our part, but we do have the ability to do our part. Now here's the thing, though you are a guest on my show, and we've been very serious this whole time. But you, since this is your first time on my show, you do have to uh, you do have to endure ten questions. Okay. So you get to have a little fun. These are the, the rapid fire ones. Yeah, but they rarely ever go rapidly. <laughs> however, however it works out here. <laughs> All right, are you ready? So you know you can pass if you're not comfortable with one of the questions. Okay. All right, so question number one, you're a professional. Every picture I've ever seen of you has either been a Star-Lord or in a suit. Do you prefer suits or casual wear? I prefer suits. I would sleep them if I if they were comfortable enough. All right. Number two, we talked about how you dressed the Star-Lord. What is your ultimate cosplay scenario experience? How would you want your cosplay to go if everything went right? You know, I've thought about being, like, I love the uh, 300, but I'm just too strong (laughs) up top and a little chubby around the middle, so I figure wearing a leather diaper just wouldn't do anybody any service. Uh, But if I could... (laughs) That's what I would look like in that. Spartacus. Spartacus. All right. (laughs) All right. It it, it seems like uh, you have a Pokemon family, so um, fill in the blank here. Pokemon Go. Uh, It's pretty wide open. (laughs) Yeah. Pokemon Go has replaced me as the... uh, as the main person in our family. Oh, that's sad. That's sad. Okay. Everyone, yeah, they go down to, I mean, I, seriously, they'll go for three hours and go down to, to Poke Stops and stuff. <laughs> my wife and daughter like to do that. I, I do very limited, and I do it for my daughter. I always say that at the end of everything about Pokemon Go is for my daughter, even if I'm having fun. <laughs> All right. If I'm on level 15. <laughs> All right, let's settle this right now. Number four, true or false, guns and people kill people. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Number five, do you prefer to say bike or bicycle? I prefer to say bike. You say bake? Bike, not bake. Bike, bike, Ike, Ike, bike. Okay. I didn't know if that was like a Bostonian accent or whatever. But yeah, no bike. So one of the things I'm working on uh, uh, um, for, for right now, Bo, I'm working on my ability to say words properly. Uh, number six. Uh, can you? Exp- uh, do, do, I don't know if you're a fan or if you ever watched um, the Big Bang Theory. Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't really seen it. So I asked, if I asked you to explain rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock, you'd be completely lost. Completely lost. Okay, it would have been more fun if you'd seen it. I should have, I should have vetted that before doing these questions. That sucks. All right, number seven. <laughs> what is your favorite TV show? Uh, right now, my favorite TV show is House of Lies. I've been binge-watching. House of Lies? Is uh, Netflix? Uh, it is. Actually, I, it's on Showtime. Showtime. Okay, all right. And uh, number eight. Uh, what's more important to you, a better workout or a better diet? 
I, my wife tells me that, that workout is nothing without diet. So I like working out just because I feel better, and, but my wife says diet. So I'm going to say workout. I like to work out. Yeah, I think you can work out on a bad diet, but you don't feel as good. So I think, that, I think that's yeah. a good point. Uh, number nine, what is your biggest accomplishment so far, Bill? Um, probably getting married to GK. Wow, she's sitting I, right I there. Was, <laughs> no, she's not. But I was a dog back in, in college, and, and like before I met her, she, she told me, um, you know, I was like, what do I, what do I got to do to date you? Because she wouldn't date me. Oh. And she's like, I'm not dating you until I see my your student ID card. Because I had dropped out of college. I told you that I got a scholarship. I didn't tell you that I had dropped out. Oh, wow. Um, but, yeah, I dropped out for, for, like, three years. And she's like, nope. She's like, I'm not dating anyone that's not going anywhere. Oh. So we, I got back into college. I graduated before she did. And, actually, now I, I teach uh, electronic discovery over at California State University. So I would say that probably that evolution um, of becoming that guy that she would marry is my, my best accomplishment. That's an awesome answer. All right, and number 10, the most self-serving question I ever ask, and I ask it every time, what do you think of the host will come get some? Man, couldn't be a nicer guy, and we need more people like you, man. Well, That's thank you, true. Bo. I return that, that compliment. I believe we need more people like us. Absolutely. You, you, you and GK are such great folks that so you guys are the perfect couple, and, and I think that is a great answer to that accomplishment. So uh, I'm so glad you were able to be on the show today, and you, I think you've said a lot of enlightening things. I think we had a, a healthy conversation. I hope people take something from it. I appreciate the opportunity, and good luck in all that you do, man. You, you are definitely a, a visionary and a pioneer, and, and thank you for stepping out and doing these types of uh, not only this this specific podcast, but but going out there and chasing your dreams and, and making dreams come true and uh, possible for other people too. That's that's real nice. Thank you. Uh, you take care, man. Tell tell GK I said hi. I will. Thank you, guys. All right. Take care. All right. All right. So I think that was a uh, some good stuff there. Anyway. Uh, I talked earlier about all the exciting things coming up. You can see everything on ComeGetSome.com, all my past guests. Uh, make sure you follow at Miami6Man to follow me personally. Uh, be a part of the Six Call. Email me at CGSHere at gmail.com. And uh, that about sums it up. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come on.